morning and welcome to Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church and to this 9.30 service of worship. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. If you are worshiping with us uh, via the radio or the live stream, it's also a gift to have you here. If you're in the space, please take some time to locate the friendship pads on the ends of your pews. Sign your name there and get to know who's worshiping around you so you can greet them by name later in the service. If you are visiting for one of the first times, we invite you to join us after the service in the atrium. We have some gift bags for you. We'd also love to tell you a little bit more about the mission and ministry of this church, so please do make your way to the atrium after the service. Additionally, if you're new, you can fill out a connection card. Those are in your pews in front of you, just to give us a little bit of information about yourself so that we can contact you and be in touch. And on the back of the connection card is a prayer card. So if you have something you'd like to share with the pastoral team here, a joy or a concern or something that we should know about, please do fill out one of those prayer cards and drop it into the offering plate later in the service. A few announcements today. This evening, we have the joy of sharing in the gift of music together at our annual Americana concert. That's going to be here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m., so please do make plans to attend. Additionally, we know that summer is just around the corner, and summer is that great season when we all take a chance uh, at Sabbath and rest and restoration, and so with that, we go to two services, that's our summer schedule, so we have one service here at 10 a.m. in the sanctuary, and one service, our worship at five service in Founders Hall at 5 p.m., and that goes from Memorial Day until or through Labor Day, so please do remember that next week we start that summer schedule. And with that, we, we also note that summer Sunday school, or Sunday school classes and youth group and all of our um, regular programming take a break. So that's a chance for us all to live into a rhythm of Sabbath. With that rhythm come a few special opportunities, including our summer choir. So if you have been wanting to sing with this amazing choir, you have the opportunity to do that this summer with no Wednesday night rehearsals. So all you have to do is show up at 920 for rehearsal in Emmanuel Hall and uh, receive the great gift of singing with an amazing choir. So please do make note of that. And in addition, uh, if you have a, an infant or a toddler and you'd like to get them interested in music, we offer a music garden in the summers uh, on Sunday mornings at 9.20. Uh, so please do join that if you have a toddler or an infant. At this time, I'd like to call Reverend Mark Brainerd forward for a final announcement. It's my pleasure to uh, welcome Malin Height forward. Malin is our new coordinator for congregational care and senior adult ministry, and we are delighted to welcome her to the staff. She uh, brings a lot of experience. Uh, she comes to us most recently from North Haven Methodist Church, uh, just down the street, where she was in a broader capacity, but she had uh, care responsibilities. She's a native Dallasite uh, residing in the Highland Park part of our city. Uh, she has graduate degree from uh, Perkins School of Theology, uh, and she is uh, full of great wisdom, and we look forward to welcoming her to the staff. I wanted you to have an opportunity this morning to see her face, uh, to hear a little bit from her, so that uh, you can all uh, grab her at the same time, and I know that you will want to do that. Um, Malin, welcome to Preston Hollow. We're delighted to have you on the staff, and I'd love for you to be able to tell the congregation uh, why Preston Hollow for you at this time in this particular position. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm going to correct one little thing. Okay. Highland Park is a lovely neighborhood, but oh. I live in Lake Highlands. So sorry. <laughs> it's it's not a big it. deal, but I thought I had No, it is. 
So. <laughs> no, when I saw the, the job description, I just felt like I've been in ministry for over 10 years, and this just seemed like a wonderful next step. And so I was very happy that it all worked out. Great. Any particular things that you are excited about as you get underway here? I think the focus for me, uh, because I've worn a lot of hats, the focus on care and senior adult ministry, which both I feel are so vital to a thriving congregation, that 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 is a real opportunity. Wonderful. And how can we be supportive and helpful to you as you make your way into this church community? Introduce yourself to me often. (laughs) Wear your name tag whenever possible. And please share with me your thoughts and ideas about care and senior adult ministry because I really want to hear from you and your history at the church. Wonderful. Thank you, Malin. Friends, I will uh, join Malin in the atrium following worship this morning and give you an opportunity to greet her personally. As we prepare to worship, it's good to note that we are still in the Easter season. And so as we move through our liturgy and our music and our preaching, Make note of signs of resurrection in the liturgy and in the music and in this preaching. And remember that God is constantly recreating this world and calling us to look for signs of new life. So let us worship good and gracious God.
family of faith, as we continue to prepare our hearts for worship this day, please join in reading responsibly the printed call to worship found in your bulletin. How joyful it is to celebrate the good news of God's love. We are called to be Easter people. God's grace extends to all people. Let us share the good news. For Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Resurrection is not a one-time event, but an ever-present reality. In the hope of the resurrection, we confess our shortcomings, longing to be made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us confess to God and to one another. God of each day, as the seasons change and life continues, 
Keep us mindful of your presence. We are distracted, caught up in busyness and stress, and preoccupied with meeting goals and reaching milestones. In the meantime, we miss what the Holy Spirit is doing in our midst. We fail to see the risen Christ walking among us. Forgive us for our inattention and help us to let go of striving and to live into your presence. Amen. Nothing you can do or say or fail to do can separate you from God's love. God claims you, God loves you, and God forgives you. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are you are, please unite your hearts with mine in prayer. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, as we prepare to dwell within your holy word, open our ears, for we long to hear a word of hope. Open our minds, for we seek to understand. Open our hearts, for we want to be transformed. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Several things that uh, you should know before we turn to our scripture lessons this morning. I've chosen uh, two New Testament passages for us to uh, explore and to read this day, and I, and I need you to know some context uh, behind each. Uh, the first comes to us from the Gospel of John, and we're going to uh, read that Jesus gives uh, the disciples, those gathered, a new commandment. Uh, which is really important uh, because Jesus is going to die and he's going to say, You're, you cannot go where I go. And so I'm going to sum up everything in this one statement. To love is I have loved you. Which sounds like something Jesus would say, does it not? And it leaves a lot uh, of questions like, okay, Jesus, that is really good. But what does that actually look like in our lives? And I think I've paired uh, this, state, uh, this, this passage from John with a passage from Acts. Both were in the lectionary for today. And I've paired the Acts text with the John text because I think we are provided a glimpse in Scripture for how this new commandment is actually lived out. And this is what I mean by that. Um, when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, that sounds really good when we're standing in the presence of Jesus. It gets much more difficult when we're standing in front of one another. And Peter, in the book of Acts, has broken a lot of rules, and he finds himself in some trouble. 
And the question remains, how do we love one another as Christ has loved us? We're going to explore that question this morning together as a community. And first, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John, to the 13th chapter. Hear these words from Holy Scripture. Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation. So we ask that you would reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words, that they would be your word to us here and now. That you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You should uh, be aware of something this morning. You should be aware that I know my way around a principal's office. And I know my way around a principal's office because I spent a lot of time in the principal's office as a kid. I'll give you a moment to collect yourselves. I know this will come as a shock to many of you. Everybody okay? In my defense, I want to say that none of my offenses were too egregious. I was uh, just one of those kids that you would call rough and tumble. You know the kind of kid? Maybe you have one. They either have an on switch and an off switch there's nothing in between i mean if i was going to play ball on the playground i had to play a thousand with a thousand percent effort if i was going to race someone i had to uh, travel as fast as humanly possible and use whatever means necessary elbow perhaps to win if we were going to play football football is played by tackling people So we would play tackle. As you can imagine, as a child, this landed me in the principal's office quite often for having been a bit too rough or taken a game too far or allowed my competitive nature to overrule my good judgment. Each time I would land in the principal's office in that chair, right across from her desk, I would get the same lecture. I would be reminded to slow down And perhaps a detention would help me learn my lesson. Well, we can all see that clearly that worked. (laughs) Then the principal would say something like this. Matthew, there are rules. There are rules that we have to follow in order to live together while we are at school. These rules are here for a reason. They're here to keep people safe, even on the playground. 
yourself included. In the reading that we're going to turn to in the book of Acts here in a moment, Peter has broken some rules. He's broken some uh, major Jewish laws, and he's been called into the principal's office. No, you know, he's actually been in call, called in front of the entire school board. Things are not good for Peter. Word has reached the religious leaders that Peter has had what he is calling a conversion experience that has led him to associate with unclean people and eat items that are ritually unclean. Peter has slept in the house of a Roman centurion, a Gentile, Cornelius. Written in the law, this is uh, as plain as day. This was completely out of the question in the Jewish law. Peter has uh, crossed boundaries that have existed for centuries. Peter has broken rules that were major offenses, and he's been called into the church in Jerusalem to explain himself. Now, I want to be fair uh, to the Jewish laws that Peter has broken. These rules were important. They were vital. They were identity-shaping laws for the Jewish community. Jewish dietary laws were handed down from Peter's grandmother's grandmother, grandmother, all the way to him. These laws uh, were these laws were formed for the Jewish people when they were in exile as a way to to live faithfully and to survive under a foreign power. These were laws that created were created to keep people safe. In an occupied land, dietary laws were created and were one way to distinguish who was who and who was safe. These were not uh, merely a series of flippant laws that were made to be broken. No, they were sacred and holy and some would even argue they were divinely inspired rules. And so when Peter breaks them, the church council calls Peter in to explain himself. And Peter does something remarkable, frankly. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, he doesn't lawyer up. No, he shows up, he stands in front of them, and he tells them the truth. Peter tells them his story. He testifies to his experience of God at work in the life of Cornelius. This is what Peter says, as is recorded in the 11th chapter of the book of Acts. You can follow along. We're going to read all 18 verses. Now the apostles and believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to the uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, You know, I was uh, in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I, uh, I, I saw a vision. There was something, it was like a large sheet coming down from heaven being lowered down by its four corners, and it, and, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, re 
reptiles and birds of the air. I also heard a voice. A voice saying to me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened to me three times. Then everything was pulled up to heaven. And at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And then I remembered the word of the Lord. How Jesus had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. I've been reading this text for years. I've been reading this very text for years from the book of Acts, and I thought the miracle of this passage was the revelation that Peter had sent from God inspired by the Holy Spirit. I've been reading this text and thinking the miracle is that Peter finds justification in, in, in eating with Cornelius, staying at his house. But this past week, I read this text as if for the first time, and I realized maybe the miracle is not with Peter. Maybe the real miracle lies with the church leaders who actually believe him. This is the church. They're responsible for keeping purity laws. They're responsible for keeping the tradition alive. They're responsible for oversight of polity. And they trust what Peter says to them. They trust that his experience is valid and legitimate. The Holy Spirit showed Peter that God can be at work in the lives of, of people Peter considered unclean. And Peter witnessed the Holy Spirit at work in Cornelius. The re religious leaders, they don't question Peter further. They don't put him on an administrative commission. No, they believe him. They believe that God has reached across their boundaries to include others. How is that possible? 
How can a higher level religious committee step across the bounds of their own rules and regulations to include someone or a group of people that they have previously excluded? In my experience, it's only possible. It's only possible. When we see people beyond the rules that we expect them to fit into. It's only possible when, by the grace of God, we expand our understanding of God and accept the experiences of others as valid. And when we accept the experiences of of others as valid, then we can consider how our rules may be affected. It only becomes possible by the grace of God when we are open to see and hear the divine at work in someone else's life and in someone else's story, no matter their past, no matter, uh, it seems to me, who they love, certainly uh, no matter who they voted for in the last election, no matter their gender, no matter their sexual orientation, no matter who they are married to, certainly no matter their skin color, no matter what they uh, happen to believe about a particular strain of doctrine, certainly no matter where they were born, no matter you fill in the blank. You see, it's in my experience, and time and time, time and time again in Scripture, it seems to me when we come to hear the voice of truth and grace, we come to hear it because God is present in someone else's journey in someone else's life, in someone else's experience. It's what leads Peter to say to uh, the, the, the church leaders. Listen, y'all, this is, uh, this is what I've experienced. Who am I to hinder God? I believe that is what Christ means when he gives us the new commandment. To love one another as I have loved you. Did you notice that Jesus didn't say, love one another as all the laws tell you to? No. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. What does this look like? What does it look like uh, 2,000 years later? I want to take you uh, back uh, just several years ago. Uh, Women were not allowed uh, to be in leadership in our denomination. It took some uh, very courageous women to break that barrier for us to understand that the spirit of the living God was as alive in their lives as anyone. I was told that story because my mentor is a female clergy. 
Her name's uh, Jerry Perkins. She was the associate pastor at my home church growing up. And she was ordained in, as a minister of word and sacrament before the ordination of women was uh, very common in the PCUSA. Jerry uh, felt called to ministry as a young girl. She tells the story of uh, going in the backyard and uh, walking in circles and picking daisies and preaching sermons, imagining herself in the pulpit. She would tell me that story, and then I would look at her, and I would say, who does things like that? (laughs) She said, here's the problem, Matthew. I uh, grew up in a rural part of South Carolina. I had never seen a woman preach. I didn't even know female pastors existed. She said, but I had this call. I knew that God was calling me to do something with my life, and so I went to seminary with the intention to get a PhD because I would be allowed to teach. She said, it was clear to me that the Holy Spirit was calling me to pastoral ministry. And so her senior year, she pursued ordination. And let me just say, this was really exciting news for a, a certain group of people. They were really excited about this. And then there were another group of people who were not really excited about this. tells the story of her first Sunday and her first call, that rural church in South Carolina. Uh, Not many people in the sanctuary. Uh, The bench, there was a bench right there in the middle of the chancel, and she had to walk over to the pulpit. And so it, it, it came time for her to read the scripture lesson for the day and to preach, and so she stood up from that bench, and for every step she took from that bench, there were a group of three women who sat in the back pew They also stood up, and for every step she took towards the pulpit, they took an equal step towards the door. By the time Jerry got to the pulpit, those women were gone, and the door closed. They didn't believe that women should preach. They had um, good rules to support their argument. They believed that they were living faithfully. Several months later, uh, one of the women ended up in the hospital. She had a a heart issue. Jerry uh, went to the hospital to to visit and to pray with her. And then Jerry went back every single day. And each day, something changed between them. The woman began to anticipate Jerry's visits. They began talking for hours, sharing their story with one another. When the woman was well and got out of the hospital, something remarkable happened. Jerry was just about to say, and this is the word of the Lord, when she saw her, that woman who she had been visiting in the hospital, walk in the very back door and sit down on the back pew. She would leave right after the sermon, but she would hear Jerry preach. It was just a couple months later when one of the women who had walked out that first day, she lost her mom. Word reached Jerry late in the evening. Uh, She was already asleep, in fact. She got up and she put on her clothes. She brushed her keys, sort of tried to get her hair looking presentable, and she drove over to that woman's house. Her family had gathered there. Her children were in the living room. Everybody was crying. There were 
in deep grief. Jerry walked right into the middle of that uh, living room and she prayed for that family. She comforted them in their grief. She met with the family uh, several times over the next several weeks. And on the day of the memorial service, Jerry conducted the service. She even preached the homily. A couple months went by. That third woman who had walked out had not been back to the church. Jerry had not spoken to her, but word reached Jerry that she had just welcomed her first grandchild. Jerry showed up to the hospital to uh, take in that holy and sacred moment of holding a newborn. She took that baby into her arms, blessed that baby and prayed for that baby. She wasn't letting that baby go. The visit lasted most of the afternoon. Months later, uh, the whole family, there were like 20 of them, they packed into that tiny church. They sat right there in front of the pulpit and they gathered as they presented Elizabeth Ashley for the sacrament of baptism. After Jerry preached the sermon, she walked down to the font And she took Elizabeth Ashley into her arms and she said, Elizabeth Ashley, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then she made the mark of the cross on Elizabeth Ashley's forehead. You are marked as Christ's own forever. Everybody in that family was crying. Jerry was crying. Friends, we all have lines. All of us have lines, me included, that we think cannot be crossed. Boundaries that are non-negotiable. And we think those boundaries keep us safe. We think those boundaries keep order. The question will eventually find us that Peter asked of those church leaders that day. Who are we to hinder what God is doing? The good news of the gospel as I have come to understand it by wrestling with it my whole life is that Jesus the Christ came to cross every boundary that we have created. Every boundary that we could ever create. To teach us the ways of love and life and faith. For he said to them, I give you a new commandment. To love one another as I have loved you. Who do you struggle to love this day? Who do we as a community struggle to love this day? Who do you feel called to love despite the risk that it may involve? 
For I believe in seeking to answer that question and wrestling with that question. That's where hope and grace and mercy and love await you. That's where it awaits all of us. So who do you struggle to love? And will you seek to answer that question for you this very day? Let us pray. It can be scary, God, to love beyond all we have ever known. We like to know. We like order. And so we pray for the faith to follow you across every boundary. Help us and teach us the ways of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we may know you more fully. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. As people loved by God, I invite you now to rise in body or in spirit and let us affirm our faith together with the Confession of 1967. God has endowed people with capacities to make the world serve God's needs and to enjoy its good things. Life is a gift to be received with gratitude and a task to be pursued with courage. People are free to seek their lives within the purpose of God, to develop and protect the resources of nature for the common welfare, to work for justice and peace in society, and in other ways to use their creative powers for the fulfillment of human life. Please be seated. As we enter a time of prayer, I would remind you that outside of the transept doors, you can find letters that are addressed to members in our community who are experiencing joys and concerns. We invite you to sign those letters as a sign of solidarity in prayer with and for them. Also, please note uh, the concerns and joys noted on the back of your bulletin. I would especially lift up today that we had a wonderful Ramadan dinner on Thursday evening. We supported and, and gathered with our Muslim neighbors to break fast, to learn about Ramadan, and to uh, build relationships across faiths. It was a beautiful evening. Additionally, we celebrate uh, that we had a wonderful epiphany dance last Friday. That's an opportunity that we have to invite folks from the community to gather and to fellowship and to dance, and that was a wonderful evening. And finally, we celebrate Scholarship Sunday today. We give thanks for the gifts of our students, those entering college and those continuing college. We give thanks that their gifts are part of this community and also that our gifts are able to sustain them and support them in their studies. Let us pray. God of the empty tomb, in this season we celebrate new life. 
We celebrate all the small signs of resurrection in the world around us. We give you thanks for warmer temperatures and budding flowers. We give you thanks for reconciliation in our families and in our friendships, for warmer gatherings and budding relationships, for all the ways in which your spirit brings us closer together, we are grateful. But God, we are mindful that new life is often fragile. We are mindful that with change and newness often comes anxiety, fear of the unknown, and doubt. So we ask you to be present with us in this fragile time. Renew the hope of those who are trying to conceive new life, those who have experienced miscarriage or the loss of a child, and those who are in the midst of pregnancy. Surround with energy and love those who are caring for a loved one, those who are mourning the loss of a parent or a partner, and those who are facing difficult diagnoses. Dwell with those who are anxious about the state of the world. Walk alongside all who are suffering or struggling to make ends meet or experiencing loneliness. God, in being present with us in our fragility, Remind us of your love. Remind us that your love sustains and nourishes us. Remind us that your love claims us and calls us by name. Remind us that your love saves us from sin and death. Remind us that your love comforts us and calls us home. As we celebrate new life and yet recognize fragility, Walk alongside us and remind us of your love, God of the resurrection. We pray all of this using the words you taught, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Friends, as we have heard, God invites us to be co-creators of new life in this world. God desires our partnership in building a world that is vibrant, just and equitable. And one of the ways we participate in creating new life is through the giving of our gifts. Throughout this month, our Every Dollar Counts offering, that is all the single dollar bills that are given during the service, will benefit an organization called Readers to Leaders, an organization based in West Dallas that accompanies and supports children as they learn to read and become scholars. This summer, Readers to Leaders will provide a number of unique opportunities for their participants to explore the city and to put their reading skills to use, and our contributions will help these opportunities be possible. In the hope of resurrection and new life, let us give to a good and gracious God.
us pray. Creator God, you call us to be your partners in creating new life. Accept these humble gifts and transform these resources into hope, love, and opportunity, particularly for those in our city and our world who need signs of resurrection. In your son's name we pray, amen. as we go forth from this hour of worship to be the church in the world, to love one another as Christ has loved us, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. And guide us in our many, many, many different ways, this day and all of our days. Amen. Amen.